now. Yeah. This bottle of wine is keeping it cool for me. Because <laughs> it's cold. Um, so, I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I, I guess there's a few places that we can start. I feel like the, the, the most relevant place is that of like QAnon. So I think that's like a big thing that has maybe been thinking a lot about conspiracy theories, especially being that um, like impersonally QAnon is like a big conversation right now because we have two people that are one that is likely going to Congress. And there's, uh, I saw there's like upwards of like maybe 80 people that have been running in the 2020 election that at some, to some extent has been somewhat supportive of QAnon. So clearly it's not just like a fringe thing anymore. Um, it's something that has to be taken seriously, even though it's a conspiracy theory. But I mean, beyond that, like just thinking about conspiracy, conspiracy theories, I think are interesting. The way like growing up, how I internalize some conspiracy theory logic, especially in like Christian cultures, conspiracy, like cultural conspiracy theories about like the Illuminati or what have you. Um, I don't think I ever subscribed to something like that explicitly, but that flavor of like there's some secret cabal or like some some bad actors behind the scenes trying to like infiltrate the youth or like spread evil. Um, I mean, I feel like that thing is was pretty common growing up for me. I definitely had a few church sermons that leaned into that and like leaned into like evils of like pop culture. Um, so I just think it's interesting. So I, I went kind of on a, a deep tunnel dive of like conspiracy theories as well as um, I think I think the conversation for me was kind of dismissive or almost like at the expense of those that believe conspiracy theories, right? Like they're uneducated or uninformed or like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's something that it's easy to look down upon. But I think after just like kind of reading a bit, um, I read, uh, I listened to like a video essay by Angie Speaks, which is really good. Uh, I listened to a little bit of this author, Jesse Walker. Um, but the video you're talking about is that's not the one you sent me, right? I don't know if I've sent you any Angie Speaks videos. Well, you sent me like a summary of QAnon video a while uh, ago. Yeah. No, I think that was like a news, like it's strictly informational. Um, no like critical analysis. Okay. I think I was pretty intrigued and compelled in that um, the way that they framed it, Angie in particular, was that conspiracy theories are really just modern day folklore. And the way that we use folklore to analyze previous societies and um, like the types of anxieties that those society has, I think is the same as that's how we should treat conspiracy theories of today, which to me unlocks a pretty interesting few like directions we can go in. Um, but that's, that's been top of mind. Again, QAnon is like the most relevant topic today. Um, so we could either talk about QAnon at first. I didn't know if Leslie, you would feel comfortable. I, I know we've interacted by we, largely you with someone that's a QAnon supporter. Um, which I think this conversation actually gives some more light into the psychology of it. I'm not excusing anything, but I think that like a place of understanding. Um, I think that might be a good place for some conversation to start. Um, if you're okay with that, like to the extent that you're, you're cool. Yeah, might as well. We can. <laughs> Obviously no names. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's definitely not just one person though. Like I will say that many people at that organization are now like loud and loud and proud 
<laughs> oh god. Um, but I guess like a quick like summation of QAnon is this uh, idea that in 2017 there's this person or group of people named Q that are in the Trump administration and Trump's a part of Q and what they're doing is taking down the deep state and there's this conspiracy that there's like this secret uh, ring, uh, a pedophile ring of powerful people who are not just pedophiles, but they uh, drink blood and that keeps them youthful or something like there's some sort no, they of they adrenochrome, adrenochrome, they extract adrenochrome, which is some chemical that I think is actually real that the body produces when you're scared. And the versions I've seen of it are that they like keep like kidnapped child, yeah, like sex slaves, but also they like terrify them. It's actually literally like Monsters Inc. You know, like the scream. <laughs> they literally, it's literally like they scare the kids and they extract this adrenochrome or adrenochrome, and that that's what keeps them. That's what I've heard. Of. And then they're also kids right. who also eat the kids. Yeah, and Hillary Clinton Sick. definitely takes it. Yeah, like they the, the according Clintons, to <laughs> the yeah. Obamas, John Podesta. <laughs> I heard that. Chrissy Teigen. Um, Chrissy Teigen. Um, Kobe. Wait, what? There's, there's some, the death of Kobe got tangled up into some of the conspiracies. Oh my style. gosh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Chrissy Teigen, I don't know if you guys heard about it. Like, she got, like, attacked on Twitter, but also deleted, like, 30,000 tweets, I guess, because... <laughs> And of course, that just like added more fuel to the fire. You know, they're like, oh, see, but she was like, no, I mean, it's because you guys are like literally psychotically analyzing every. And also, isn't Pizzagate involved too? Yeah, there's Pizzagate like overlap as well. Sorry, continue your summary. I just had to insert. It's not just drinking blood. It's like a specific, although they, that's probably. Well, that's the core of it. The, the, the tricky part, and this I think is. Uh, common with most conspiracy theories that we can talk about, but um, the boundaries of it are pretty fuzzy, so it can be scaled up or down. So, like reading, like reading into like YouTube comments of people that are like like supporting QAnon, um, you get like this gradient of like people that adhere to that like almost like dogma of the conspiracy theory, but when challenged, because a lot of the stuff obviously is baseless, they scale it back and say, oh no 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 no, like QAnon is just the idea of like questioning everything that the government's doing and keeping it as like slimy and slippery as possible so that, you know, you, it, it's, it's like outside the boundaries of criticism. Um, so, I, and I, I think there's probably a gradient of people that have different levels of belief in the dogma of it or what have you. Um, but that's the original dogma, right? Like basically Trump is almost like a white knight figure who is a part of some secret group that's trying to uh, overthrow the deep state with, every piece of that, every definition of that being as slippery and slimy as, as possible. And that's also why the media hates him so much is because they're all in on they're it. They're a part of it. Yeah, they are. Men to destroy him. Also, I don't know if you guys saw, but he like commented on it. Like someone asked him and he was like something, he was something like, well, I haven't heard of this, but it sounds like if they're fighting evil, that's good, right? Isn't that basically like what he said? <laughs> he basically said, I don't know much about it, but they say that I'm doing good things, and that sounds like a good thing. Yeah. It's like, got it. Like classic Trump. But to be fair, I don't think he, I, I would, it's Trump, I don't think he's smart enough to know what it is as much as he knows it helps him. Um, but like, his his kids have posted QAnon content, like the Q and, and shit, and they've like 
try to delete it afterwards, but it's clear that I, I highly doubt any of them believe it. They all know it's nonsense, but it's clear that as a movement, they know what benefits them and they're willing to give it some legitimacy, um, which only feeds the rabid QAnon followers. They're like, oh, see, he's giving us more um, breadcrumbs, as they call it, or like signals and like clues of what he's doing to overthrow the deep state and the great awakening, etc. That's honestly why I was confused that I would have thought Trump's like team would have wanted to capitalize on it more. So I was like surprised the way he answered. I thought he would have tried to be a little bit more like playing the role of I don't know, but like, you know, really actually stoking the fire. Like, I'm curious if he genuinely hadn't heard about it or if he just. There's no way. Yeah, I don't know. Leslie, just a response to your thing about like, you, you were surprised that he played in, that Trump played into it rather than being like, oh, I don't know. No, I, no, he I, did say, I don't know. Oh, you're saying you thought he would have played into it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Actually, but yeah, I agree. What, <laughs> what were you going to say though? <laughs> well, because I, <laughs> there's, have you guys been getting Trump and Biden campaign ads on Facebook? Unfortunately. Oh. No, I've been getting text. I thought you were going to say text. I've gotten the text too, but I've been, I'm trying to, I screenshotted some of the Trump. This is literally, I, don't, I mean, and I'm assuming this is Trump's campaign team. It might not be. So just for anyone watching, it was like, Ortiz was spreading false information. Go fuck yourself. Oh. I, it, it's, it says, it says team Trump. And let me establish who I am very clear, very quickly on this podcast. If you're like, oh, Jesus. we're just three people who aren't experts in, in QAnon or politics. Well, Vince is very well read in politics. But I'm well, no, I, I believe in QAnon, to be clear. I'm actually advocating well, for it. In this also, to be clear, when you oh, talk about our audience, you're literally talking to each of our moms, okay? So like, that is going to be our Besides. initial audience. Let's be real. <laughs> Besides Vince's parents, besides Leslie's parents, everyone else outside of that who would look at me and go, oh, Ortiz, and like, look at, especially if you're a Trump supporter. By the way, I voted for Trump in 2016, not doing it in 2020. Anyway, anyone who's like, oh, Ortiz, and like, you know, slandering Trump and spreading false information, on fuck yourself. So I screenshotted this, and it was like the most funny thing. It's, it's the funniest thing in the world to me. This was one of his campaign ads that came across my Facebook feed. You see if I can. Oh like. my god! It was like a, it was like a Biden Trump Finish street him. fighter. So just yeah. So I I thought Leslie was saying she thought Trump wouldn't play into it, but yeah, it just goes to show like the level of like I I don't know the word to use the level of like childlike jest that he's willing to engage in, and it clearly also for me like we can get back to the Q and thing real quick. It just points to a to me. That level of jest, I don't know if it's, it could be actually be working with his demographic. To me, it's, it's, it hints of desperation of, oh shit, I don't, I don't think that's like a sophisticated tactic. I think you guys are just like playing in the meme culture. I'm not sure if that's actually gonna work. And it seems like you guys are desperate and trying to reach for anything you guys are reaching. And it means that like, you're not so sure that this go around, that your guy is as secure for the office that, as you thought he might've been like a year ago. Anyway, back to the QAnon thing. Yeah, well on that note too, um, I, a quick aside to what Leslie said. So to be fair, I think he played into it just as much as he could, but I think there are concerns about QAnon tied to domestic terrorism threats. Um, a lot of people in the establishment are trying to distance themselves from it. So I can imagine that he kn he's smart enough to know that he can't be explicit. So I think what he did was enough to get the base riled up and then he can say, oh. um, but on the note of, of like his meme -y tactics, 
uh, a part of Angie Speaks video was actually uh, a, a slight aside on the like the meme. There's like a meme theory, um, and the way that memes uh, are like a phenomenon of of um, spreading ideas and propaganda, um, and and the ways in which memes do that. So I think it's fair to call it childish, but I actually think it's more effective than like some very PC like I'm above this discourse bullshit that frankly the democrats really like to do which is why they lose all the time because they feel like they're too good to do those games and even if it's childish i i, I think it's interesting that uh, just that you mentioned that because a part of that video was like meme theory and using memes to spread these conspiracy conspiratorial yeah. ideas um is actually really effective so we find it silly but people eat that shit up um which yeah. is well, so forget. To, be, to be clear so many memes about it about QAnon. No, before I cleared out people from my friend list who were associated with that certain organization, <laughs> I still have some of them because I wanted to, I wanted to keep that voice so I knew what was being said. But a lot of the people, um, I did. But yeah, sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. No, to be clear though, I do agree with Vince. Like, um, this is going to be such a weird meta podcast comment. So I was listening to the Joe Budden podcast and they talked about in it, there's a company that purchased a meme company. So there's a company that makes memes and like viral videos. And there's a, it wasn't, it might've been Warner. I think Warner purchased a, a meme company. Mm. And then they went through a psych, they went through a breakdown of the money they spent on a, on the meme company was equivalent to what they would have to, what, what they would have to spend on a significant artist's catalog. So Joe Budden was asking, what does it tell you as a general consumer or if he was asking his podcast friends, he was like, what does it tell y'all who are savvy in the music industry when a media company like Warner, instead of buying an artist catalog, invests in memes instead? So like to speak to the Vince's, to like affirm, to like validate what Vince was saying in my agreement, but my nuance of agreement with him and the power of memes. Yeah, I think me watching how Drake has used memes in his career, especially in times when other artists are trying to discredit him as a, as a rapper, me watching how memes have turned Hamilton into this whole thing on Instagram, me just understanding the power of memes and gifts on phones. I do very much so agree that it's like, in, in many ways, it can be a clever, sophisticated tactic. Um, I don't know enough about politics to, to be sure about this next statement. I think, me, I think Trump's memes as a campaign tactic is only going, especially that level of meme, that level of crude meme, is only going to reinforce his base. But if if what has happened in terms of the black community and police brutality in the past several months, if that possibly mobilizing enough persons to go out and vote for someone other than Trump works, then I think Trump is in a dangerous place in terms of needing to get people that are on the fence that normally wouldn't go out and vote to try to get them to vote in order to outmatch the numbers of what I think is going to happen for Biden and Kamala. Um, so although I do think it's a very good way for him to just like his base is like salivating and like, ah, and they're like just so happy about his childishness. I also do think that um, it's only going to reinforce the people who already support him. I don't think anyone who's on the fence or kind of like, ah, I don't know, or whatever, or who's like just dis, like disinterested is going to see that and go, I need to go vote for like, you know, so I, I think it's an interesting game. And I, I'm curious to see how this next election pans out. I'm curious. I have something to on the uh, topic of <laughs> what? Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying I'm also curious, but scared, upset, fearful of the election. But yes, uh, Harry Potter. 
theme. I have something to pull to on the topic of themes. I mean, memes, which is that, okay, what makes memes so relatable and trustable in their original wave of memory was that they distilled life into or us or a show that we all love or an, a creator that we all know and love they would distill it into just like an image and some words on top that we all recognize the original truth of and that's why it's so fun to share memes and i think that that's why they're such an effective tool particularly with people who are ride or die trump because i do think at this point people who are ride or die trump have bought into it's a mythology almost like it's not even at at this point i don't know man it's like you've bought into a story you are playing a part in a story and this actually connects back briefly i'll skip over to like my deconstruction when i read um this book called ishmael and it's a very good book it's it's it just makes you think and basically one of the big things that it posits is that if people believe a story to be true they will live in a way that makes the story become true they will mm -hmm. enact the story because they already think that they're in that plot line so where there was no plot line if enough people believe they're just part of it it's not that hard for them to make it true and i think that that mm. is what's happening with trump people and that's why those memes are so popular in, in spreading QAnon and even in for support of him because it it's been treated as a medium ironically even though we don't take them that seriously i do feel like it's wired into us to treat memes as like oh this is like a distillation of something we all know anyway mm. and so then it's like really easy for people who are like to see a, a video or a picture of hillary clinton's face and like ne juxtaposed next to like a screaming child and then next to like a, a <laughs> a vial and to be like you know <laughs> see she's looking so old because she hasn't been getting her adrenochrome and it just <laughs> instead of being at all subject to the normal rigors of that kind of accusation it just feels like oh no we've already know that so this is just a distillation which is very interesting yeah yeah so I, I mean guess... do you oh go ahead I mean, do you think that's true about memes? Because that's just something like I was just thinking about in context of this conversation, like why are memes so powerful? Like, do you agree that like that's sort of where they started and like why they became so popular in the first place? Not specific to QAnon, just like in general. Um, I wish I would have read some meme theory before we, we started. So, but I, that's, I, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, I think that's 100% spot on and why it's such a useful tool for spreading like I, 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 like I imagine the narratives that it spread, like in the case of conspiracy theories, maybe it's not spreading a narrative where someone, like we're not about to be convinced by a QAnon meme us, like we have like a very, uh, like we're not buying into the narrative at all, but people that maybe don't really buy into QAnon, but like some of that narrative, they haven't placed any concrete opinions in that that vacuum of of opinion i feel like memes have a really good way of just kind of morphing that narrative i guess and making you more susceptible to that narrative making it more believable making you maybe desensitized to it um but but yeah i think what you described sounds I sounds right meme theory yeah i'm super interested i didn't know there was discourse upon it yeah. <laughs> now i remember back in the day since 
I was a young little nerdling on the internet. Memes meant something a little bit different growing up. So I think it's curious to see what it's evolved into now because before it was just almost like a, a reoccurring joke that you would like lean into like, um, I don't know. Wow, it's been a while. Like, like the bread, like there's like a cat that was like a bread cat. I forget now. It's been a very long, it's been- Oh, the cat that looked like a little loaf of bread? Yeah. Or the baby arm that looked like bread? Which 4chan board were you on back in the day? Oops. Revealing my ties. Yeah. Or like a Rawful Copter. I don't know. Lulz. Rawful Copter. Yeah. That's uh, like. But so I guess. Um, sorry, I know we have a time limit. Someone might be a little heavy handed producing. But I guess let's, let's see. I'm curious. Um, I mean, we talked about QAnon in the abstract. I'm curious, like, do, do you feel like, did you ever get to talk about it with the people that you used to interact with that were into it? Or even if not explicitly, did that inform any of their conversations with you? You know, looking back, so I feel like I became aware of what I now know as QAnon, like two years ago, maybe, because there was like one person from that old organization that would post stuff about the adrenochrome or whatever it's called adrenochrome and adrenochrome and even at that point i started to sort of distance myself from that person because i was just like and i wasn't close enough to them either to like be like hey want to talk about this stuff that you're posting you know mm -hmm. and this was like a full-grown adult man um who was posting it and then sometimes people from that organization would like like or interact with that content but no i mean it hasn't been until around the time that I left that it's been like a full blown, like I'm seeing people just come out and like say they support it or just say things that make it obvious that they believe that narrative. Um, but looking back, I mean, that whole just general mistrust of institution is at the root of and, and was in a lot of conversation. And that's the thing is like, I mean, I agree with that to a certain extent. And like, I've actually always kind of said like i don't like immediately dismissing conspiracy theories because i feel like it's worth like you know looking at them first and i think that's the trouble with QAnon in particular is that it's just the line gets so quickly accelerated from like yeah we do feel like there are probably some bad actors like in high positions of power and there is a reason to mistrust these large institutions and there is a reason to mistrust the media and all that stuff but it gets swept into a narrative where the people who believe it are allowed to be both like the victims and the heroes which i think is very appealing to people who still support yeah. trump yeah. i i think that it's so appealing to be able to be like I don't even know how they're the victims, but somehow they are. You know, isn't that like common, like that feeling is there? Like, because I guess, cause they're, they're oppressed because no one will believe them. Everyone just thinks they're crazy conservative Christians and. Well, I don't know if I would, maybe I would say that it's like, there's like a victim-ish uh, feel to it. But I guess that kind of speaks, goes to like, um, and even you mentioning like you, always saying like it's worth exploring conspiracy theories i really respect because i think for me at least it's easy to think of conspiracy theories and again just be so dismissive as like that's something that someone with like a tenfold hat like flat earther 
9-11 was an inside job. Like when you think of that, you think of like kooky, like not worth of taking seriously. Uh, but I really appreciated like the framing of like comment, like modern folklore. And I think um, because of that, I think where I am where you have been, Leslie, in that, no, like, I'm not going to legitimize QAnon as a theory, but if if I'm really concerned about it, that means I need to understand the underlying anxieties that this demographic feels, contextualize that, historicize it, and meet them at those anxieties, which are often anxieties that I share, um, kind of like you mentioned, right? Like, yeah, absolutely, I'm suspect of people in power. Absolutely, Epstein um, did not kill himself, and, like, that's his ties to Clinton, his ties to Trump, like, his ties to, like... Uh, that's like, the ironic thing. I cannot yeah. wrap my head around... Anyway, yeah. Well, Trump distanced himself, blah, blah, blah. Like, got it. Um, but but regardless, even if Trump had nothing to do with it, like, if it was just the Clintons, like, yeah, all these things I totally agree with. Um, and I think there's a danger in just being dismissive of those anxieties. Um, and I think also it's like, it's not just an indictment of, uh, like, the American right that's susceptible. It's an indictment of the American left, which I wouldn't call left, but the American left, a.k.a. Democrats, being so elitist and dismissive of those anxieties. I think it does speak to how out of touch they are um, and how ill-equipped they are to deal with these kind of things, hence why I think Trump still has a chance of winning. Um, but, but I don't know. I feel like that topic of, like, folklore and anxieties is fun to kind of chew on and play with, so... Um, I'm curious, like, if you guys have any experiences in your life of believing in the conspiracy theories. Um, some examples, uh, broadly, and then, like, my own, which I already kind of mentioned my own, but I, after, like, reading, like, thinking through, uh, like, witches and conspiracy theories when there was concern about women, um, and having power, um, actually Christianity with, uh, both sides conspiracy theories, right, with Christians, um, like, at the time, thinking something like Nero is the Antichrist, as opposed to the government at that time thinking Christians are a cult because they like they drink Jesus's blood and like the, the crazy cultish people, um, things of like uh, like Freemasonry. I went on like a long rabbit hole like Freemasons and Illuminati, which have very clear historical. Uh, there's there's historical explanations for Freemasonry, right? And the Catholic Church being scared of the Enlightenment period and thinking that they are. Uh, uh, well, Protestants more so call them demonic and believing like that mystical version, but like Catholic Church thinking that they're just too secular. So all these things have like a historical root that just blossomed into conspiracy. Um, and then like, I think I just see growing up like Freemasonry, like of course there's some like demonic all-seeing eye that's like at the tops of power of society. And again, I don't think I ever explicitly believed any of that, but I, I think in the, the vacuum of really knowing the history and thinking about it, there are pieces of it that I was sympathetic to. Um, so that being said, like, I'm curious, like, do you guys, have you guys ever previously believed in any conspiracy theories or known anyone or had family members? And not only I'm curious about conspiracy theories, but I, I definitely would be curious to think, like, what anxieties did those conspiracy theories speak to, you think? Well, let's get the elephant out of the room. We all believe that the Illuminati's real, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're funny. I was like, uh, tell me more. That was so funny. Um, <laughs> it's a good question. 
Kevin. That is a really cool framing, though, of it as folklore. I'll send you the video. Yeah, yeah, please do. And the underlying anxiety, that and it's just that phrase, I feel like that relates to so much beyond conspiracy theory being, it obviously relates to the Trump presidency. Like, it relates to the racism that we've seen amidst COVID, the anti-Asian sentiment. Even like non, like, like black and white bad, I think it relates to things like Christ, like the religious right Christianity and like a black, like a grayish way. Like I think a lot of the conspiracy theories that I was susceptible to are anxieties around loss of power, switches and cultural dynamics in our culture, demographic switches, like all these things. Um, sure, like, yeah, like you can point to like racism specifically, but I, I think there's an understandable fear of uh, a group of people at once having the primary hegemony in a, in a culture and, and a, a driver of culture and what's considered like proper losing that um I, I i think it's arguably a good thing but like it's an understandable anxiety that needs to be spoken to as opposed to dismissed um right yeah what do you think about kevin eyebrows what look at him what? on his couch looking all contemplative, <laughs> con- con- contemplative. <laughs> you guys have said a lot when you say what do i think like specifically what do you what do i think about which part okay, if you have you any can... piece that's top oh sorry go ahead. i was just gonna say you don't have to reply to, like what whatever whatever spoke to you and what you want to respond to um so just to clarify, Vince, you, I, I think you said two different things that seemed like, I was like, wait, you, you said you believe in the QAnon thing, but then you said you don't believe I was, in it. I was joking completely. I don't believe in okay, QAnon. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I was fucking with you. Oh. I was like, wait, is he? You just accepted that guy? Wow. Because <laughs> wait, just to clarify, QAnon is a, cons- tell me if what I'm saying is, is ac- if, if mm. I'm understanding correctly, if it's accurate. QAnon is conspiracy that non-Trumpers came up with to talk about this elite group of people who are helping Trump behind the scenes in various ways. So it's not, it's, it's a very pro-Trump conspiracy. So it's people that think Trump is a, a savior of some sort. And they believe that there is a, a secret group of insiders, Trump of which is included, um, that are going to soon have a great awakening where they're going to reveal uh, like this cabal of like pedophiles that are at the the uh, uh, head of society, right? Like drain the swamp, but in a very uh, conspiratorial sense, which culminates apparently, uh, QAnon, don't uh, it kill me if I'm wrong, but apparently it culminates in him sending all these people, Hillary Clinton, et cetera, included, uh, into to Guantanamo Bay or something like that. So oh, it's, I have it's, not mm, heard that part of it. Um, so that, that's like the, the high level, right? So Trump's the, the figurehead of this movement that's uncovering uh, the evils that are happening in the deep state. And it's not non-Trump people, Kevin, because I think you asked that, right? Like you asked, is it people who are against Trump who came up with it? No, no, it's people who support him. And there is, it's a good thing. Like obviously there is, it's not a conspiracy theory. So it wasn't created as like a smear campaign against Trump. It's like the opposite. Right. It, 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 it came out you. end of 2017. So he had just got elected and I, it, this was, I guess someone, a person named Q posted on 4chan that um, they were a part of the administration and that there is like a big great awakening upcoming. 
So it's gotcha. it's pro Trump, and it's directly um, inspired by the Trump election. Got okay. Um. So yeah, the first time I heard about Q was a couple of months ago. Someone back from North Carolina asked me about it and what I thought, and I never heard about it. And even when they sent me some links on Wikipedia and Google, I was like, I still don't understand. So now they're trying to recruit you. No, no, no. They were sending oh. it to me. They were sending it to me. They're, this what person if was like, without knowing it, like had been recruited. <laughs> He was a part of QAnon this whole time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ew. <sighs> <sighs> okay. Um, no, it's someone someone who doesn't fuck with Trump at all was asking me because they they had just heard about it, probably through like social media. Did Leslie disappear on us? She was pissed at you. Sorry. Now you Gucci. So that was the first time I heard of it. Even when they said, asked me about it and I researched, I not researched, I Googled the phrase to see what a couple of articles said, like Wikipedia, I still didn't get it. So now that you guys have explained it, it, it seems more clear. Um, yeah, obviously, even after I voted for Trump in 2016 and, and then arrived to the place that I am at now, I I, I think, the idea, yeah, I, 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 the idea that Trump is somehow a part of this like, great calvary that's going to save america and like it's like it's a joke it's a joke um so i don't believe in the QAnon theory i don't now do i believe that um that there's very powerful rich people in this country who are having a lot of um who are having conversations that you have to have privileged access to those conversations in one way or another to even know that they're going on yes do i think that there's happenings amongst those rich powerful people for things of good and things of bad, yes. But I think that's like, I think if you were to measure any part, any, I think if you were to measure any era of history where there is a powerful empire, whether it be the Roman empire, the Byzantine empire, the the Persian empire, the Mount, whatever, like I think- the Byzantine had some good art and architecture. So, but that's like, so at any time there's, anytime there was an empire with rich, with rich people, I think there was conversations happening that just weren't open to the general public. And so, it's, it's, I think to answer your question, I, I, yeah, I, I think the QAnon thing is, is silly. I don't believe in it. I don't subscribe to it. But to, to answer what I, to the part of us that it speaks to about anxieties or mythology or folklore, what I will say is, I, yeah, I think there's a, there is something about our, our psychology, our personhoods, our, I don't even know how to explain it, but there's something about the human psychology that, of course, that obviously is satiated by these ideas. It's like it's it's enticed by the idea of of folklore. So, like even the most common folklore: dragon protecting gold encountered by night, or dragon protecting princess encountered by night. Like the general, if you disembody those those figures, you take away the dragon. What is the dragon representative of? Chaos overwhelming chaos what is the gold of the princess representative of something of great value what is the night I, I agree but i'm hearing some jordan peterson i'm trying to not hear it but go ahead no that's that's literally like i mean it's true right like <laughs> if, if, other, otherwise how do you how do you describe those it is that, that's very much where i got it from but how do you how, how else do you describe those folklores nice little citation there ben <laughs> so dragon um, chaos gold princess value like and then the hero 
the the knight, a hero, someone who willfully takes on a kind of, and you can see this in Pinocchio with the whale and his father in the belly of the whale, his father being representative of an ancestral spirit and Pinocchio having to be someone who willfully takes on the journey to encounter something that's chaotic. So like the dragon, the knight having to be someone who's just a normal person who becomes a hero by virtue of taking on a journey to encounter something that's naturally chaotic, that's overwhelming. Um, And then by virtue of, if you have the capacity in your journey to so like to overcome the chaotic or to encounter the chaotic and be able to survive that encounter, then you naturally, your, 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 your personhood, your psychology, your actual being, your ontology will develop and grow and evolve as a result. And like, that's literally like a biological thing mm-hmm. in biology. They explain to you in your brain, the only way you can unlock new proteins is if you put yourself in novel, stressful circumstances. So usually you go work out in the gym and you can literally unlock proteins in your body. But like with me, I spent my whole life going through traditional grade school in America and then I went to Bible college, but going to learn Arabic totally unlocked a different part of my psychology, a part of my brain. And it was allowing for unlocking of new proteins. And I learned this because I, while I was learning Arabic, I had a friend who majored in biology and he said, yeah, there's literally proteins in your brain that will only unlock when you're in novel, stressful circumstances. So the idea of the dragon being representative of a kind of chaos that's novel and stressful, whether it's moving to a new city and having to learn the whole new environment and make a living, but a person who willfully decides to take on a stressful environment that's new to them, that they're not familiar with, that they're new to, it's not their mother land, it's not their mother tongue, it's not their, mother envi- it's not their native environment, and they have to go into a new environment that's stressful and that's chaotic to them, and then they have to try to succeed in that environment, whatever success means, um, will naturally develop into their ontology, into their being, uh, a type of personhood that propels them forward, like in, in, forward in their journey or in their path or in the whatever case may be. So they, they, become, they become more of a person in that process. Um, so that mythology, that speaks. So you, you can literally depict those ideas within a bunch of different types of Disney movies, and it speaks to people. Like you can depict those in so many different ways. And there's something about our personhoods that's deep and locked. Like, like, like that narrative and that story, folk, there's, there's certain kinds of metaphors within folklore that if you just depict them, those metaphors, it, like people like rush to watch it and, and they love seeing and they love hearing about it. So something about the idea of this super secret um, eyes wide, eyes wide shut parties in LA or like there's, there's these powerful rich people who are, I think, I think it just, even as a child, right? Like you can turn a child's light on in their bedroom, look under their bed, nothing, but turn the light off and have that child stick their hand under their bed in the, in the pitch black. Like your mind populates. Shit, have me do that. I'm still freaking <laughs> right? out. <laughs> right? You're like, every, like adults, children, their mind populates things, right? So it's the like- The mind like, populates things. Yep, that is so um, relevant to conspiracy theories and QAnon specifically. Cause even with, but, but, but like, to, to va- not to validate QAnon, but to validate the idea of mo- folklore and mythology and something about our persons that, that calls out for mythology and folklore. Like, man, there's something very real about dreams. You're, when you go to sleep, we, I, I, I don't know anyone who's been able to, to, I mean, Freud has attempted, Carl Jung has attempted, but there's something very real about the nature of dreams where your mind, clearly your mind and your soul, and your, if you believe in the soul, your psyche and your spirit, they're trying to communicate things to you and they're trying to use these very fantasy-like, these very abstract 
elements of communication, whether it's animals or bodies of water or landscapes or people or conversations. Um, and I think that, again, again, I think the nature of dreams, I think mythology speaking to it. I just think that there's something in our personhood that call, calls out for, because like, again, your mind will populate things. It calls out for um, mystery or, or conspiracy or secrecy or, or, or excitement or something hidden or something that needs to be uncovered or something that needs to be unlocked. And like we all know, the moment it gets, un the, the moment you figure out how a magician does its trick, it's no longer, so like, there's it, actually almost this self-perpetuating idea of it needs to remain a conspiracy because once the magician shows you how the trick is done, you're no longer captive. So I just think there's something innate about human beings that we still haven't understood fully yet that we like secrecy and, and myth and, and, and something that's like unknown and can't really be discovered or uncovered. Pro like, I don't know, there's just something, there's something very cool. There's something very cool about the human nature and that it, 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 it's drawn to these ideas of, of folklore and mythology. The Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster and the, and even across, I think across, you know, in Mexican culture, whether Chupacabra, like there's just across different cultures, tribal or, or non-tribal, there's just these innate parts of people that call out for, that yearn for folklore and mythology. I, I actually really think you bring up something interesting, a good framing. Um, that's kind of the same question I asked before, but like a new framing. But I did want to, um, I guess, use this. I feel like this is a good place um, to illuminate, I guess, my worldview and like a leftist perspective. Um, when we start talking about meta narratives and, and mythology, um, I think it's actually really good ground for discussing differences in worldview. Um, and the reason of that is like, uh, I, I think in a very literal sense, I agree with you that there's a lot we don't know about the human brain or like when it comes to mythology and our need for mythology, a leftist perspective would be that, no, actually um, our time shouldn't be spent like overthinking the myths themselves and like trying to um, um, I, I, I guess a better way to say it is that a leftist perspective would be like no like instead of focusing on um, like diving too deep into the mythology it's more better time spent to historicize it and have the kind of conversation we're having now about what anxieties and society and material condition based anxieties would lead someone to have these mythologies if that makes sense um mm. and that's just like the context really just to share like uh, what i would call a leftist worldview um and reason why uh it's funny you brought jordan peterson obviously he triggers me but i think in this case that's a really good segue into discussing um but i think the type of conversations jordan peterson would have about this mythology would spend a lot less time historicizing it and more time naturalizing it and really leaning into the mythology if that makes sense um what is historicizing like historicize would say um uh what's a good example um what's a big like historical event or like myth i could draw from basically like there's this there's these folklores um and a leftist perspective would be like Okay, what material conditions would leave a population to believe these things? Well, the witchification of women is a good one, right? The what? The witchification, the witch hunts. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, a, uh, inherently right wing way of treating that folklore is to think of the biological ways that women are different than men. Um, to to think of, uh, I think that's a really the big one, like the woman's place in the hierarchy and and a certain. Ex acceptance of the premise 
of that mythology, of course not believing they're witches, um, but a leftist would be like, okay, in this point in time, who was in power, who was in control, uh, mm. who had wealth, who had education, um, and, and these dialectics, right, these relationships of different conditions and different people groups, how could that inform a mythology where they are witches? And that's okay. the conversation that is most important. Um, does that make sense? I don't know. I just feel like it's a good chance to share like how yeah. I view the world. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to dive into it because it, it, it would. It would. It's too long of a rabbit trail off the off the original. But I do have a lot of thoughts sure. on that. And I. I but it's just too, so much. It's, that could be a whole another two hour episode. Um. But yeah, I. 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 I, I never knew. Of, yeah, we should write. We should type that into the into the doc. Um. I never heard of that perspective, of course, because I don't. I don't. Like I think I, you would say Sam Harris is someone who would subscribe to that. What kind of what you just said? Mm. Actually, no, no, I wouldn't. Mm -mm. Okay, so um, I think he's closer in the spectrum to that, but uh, I wouldn't say he's a leftist. Okay, um, so I definitely never, of course, because uh, clearly the people that I listen to, and whether it's through podcasts or YouTube, have never. I I just that's never come up in conversation, and of course, the level of that kind of conversation that's happening, the only person, whether it's on my side of things or the leftist side of things, that's even talking about that kind of narrative is Jordan Peterson. Um, mm -hmm. So it's the first time I've heard of it, which I never thought about it that way. So it's a very interesting perspective. It's, and being that this is the first time I've heard of it, I have to like sit with it for a long time to like really, and also probably listen to other content about it. But so just to, just to comment on it. Yeah, it, that, that's a very interesting way to put it in terms of historicizing it and trying to look at who's in power at the time and what material conditions contribute to that, uh, that framing of it. So yeah, I'm just gonna have to like sit on that for a while. But all that to say, yeah. yeah like, time. No, Call me later this week. You can uh, smoke a bowl and talk about it. This is like the shit that keeps me up at night. So glad to talk about it anytime. We should talk about this again. <laughs> but what I will say, what I will say, so like, I don't, I don't. I, basically, what I mean, and, and probably talking to you will help, and then getting your sources citations on who is also a good source to go to. Because what I'm gonna what I'm gonna attempt what I'm gonna attempt to do at least if if this if the content and the sources are bearable to watch sometimes people send me links to stuff and I'm like I don't give a fuck about this person but I'm gonna what I'm gonna try <laughs> that's the hardest part no I get that so, no I feel like Vince always sends like really like cool relatable content creators but who are also very smart I, I try because I get the same thing like if you send me a random old white dude like i don't want to watch this dude like i don't know so i i, I totally get that no because like i was in a group and i was in a six-week discussion group around anti-racism recently and one of the videos that was sent in the group it was like a 30-minute video and i just wanted it was like a black guy a black theological guy talking about anti-racism and the identity of a black mm -hmm. person in america and the perspective of the bible and theology and the whole time i kept thinking to myself kill yourself like you're such a poor lecturer you're such a I am politically correct. We not about even have to be that extreme. Can you just be thinking? Stop talking. Zero to a hundred. Nah, nope. Nah, off nah, with your head. Nah, off with your nah. head. We, nope. we can't. We can't. listen because I because I know because I do know how sensitive how, how how sensitive some cancer culture people are gonna be. Go fuck yourself. I, I refuse to like not be me. Like that's that's you very know, my. First, we need to get an audience before we go disparaging them. Okay, sure. so let's just pipe it down. If you. <laughs> 
yeah. Maybe our audience, I mean, it is if it is our audience, they'll be somewhat aligned with our culture, so maybe they will have similar views True. on like, people. Oh, look at this guy's so cool. He... Well, no, I just, that's, that's I, which I know it's not very relatable to a lot of people. That's an era of, that's an era of, like, I don't even want to say hip-hop culture, but it was an era of hip-hop culture that I came from, and, and an era of non-PC culture, like comics kind of engage in that kind of humor, but there was a lot of hip-hop people who engage in that kind of, it's just like this era of non-PC culture where it's like, I care about mental health. Y'all know this. I've been in the therapist's office this past year. I was sitting in a Lowe's parking lot last October talking about, I don't want to be, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was, when I say this, I meant being alive. So I like, I have very real sympathies for like people who have actual mental health issues. So it's not me like me, like making light of mental health issues. Um, but like I speak how I speak, whether it's poetically, whether it's using these very harsh terminologies to express how, how like, how impassioned I feel about something. So I did, I, I just refused to not speak the way I speak. But he sent me the lecture and I was like, bro, nobody like you fucking suck as a lecturer. Like shut the fuck up. And then like the contrast to it was like Dr. Cornell West, who's like, he just storytells in such a life giving beautiful what so yeah, i'm gonna try to like inform myself about what you're saying i just want you to know like it's gonna be very difficult if the people who are the sources for informing me are like terrible lecturers or terrible storytellers or terror like no i i trust me i i definitely understand and i'm always super hesitant to share for that reason specifically i feel like it's not just the substance it's like the form that i try and consider when i share content uh, but we can pin that i know we have just a couple more minutes uh uh sorry for pushing us down a rabbit hole, but I guess kind of back to like conspiracy theories. And I think I lost the way you said it specifically, but um, the only time I'll entertain Jordan Peterson's framing of things um, is this idea of like being in new situations. Um, and I guess you were saying like the way your brain responds or like has to create new, uh, how, how did you say that? Can you, yeah. Yeah, so um, novel and stressful conditions mm -hmm. and events are the way to unlocking new proteins in your brain. I think it's beautiful because I think it's a good way of explaining kind of what we've been talking about and the, the anxieties of conspiracy theories. Like what novel and new situations is like the Catholic church, church encountering where they feel like they have to um, accuse the Freemasons and the Illuminati of um, being demonic or just like not of the mm. Lord or like what kind of novel situations do uh, largely the white uh, working class, which means that maybe they don't fit, they're white, but they still face um, class-based uh, disenfranchisement. Um, what new novel situation do they find themselves in culturally that would lean, lend them to be susceptible to QAnon as a theory, right? Um, and I think that that's an interesting conversation because I feel like if we can yeah. get a good idea of what that is, then we can go to, I think, a necessary, necessary subsequent conversation of how do we counteract that? And, and how do we, um, I guess, do the work of pushing back on the proliferation of conspiracy theories, QAnon or whatever it is. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. The only thing I want to propose is like, because I, I, I'm only a 29 year old, so I like, and I, I'm not very well read on like how historical events or current events or historical conditions can contribute to what you're saying and your explaining of it or my subscribing to someone else's explaining of it. Um, mm. I just, I just, I guess now hearing an, an opposing view or alternate view makes me sit here genuinely and go, 
I didn't come up with my view by like looking at the world for 80 years and going, oh, this is the way I think, of course, across multiple cultures, that it's clearly it's this way. I just listened to some guy for the past year and a half, which is not even a long time in the scope of history and went, oh, sounds good to me. And it feels, it feels right to me and it feels genuine. Yes. Um, so now I sit here and I go, man, like I try to do with a lot of things. I hold both of them. I try to hold both of them in unison and go, these both can be right. And I actually have no monopoly on the truth. So now I have to sit here and legitimately argue with myself over. The so yeah, I, I, I like what you're saying because it's giving me something to balance out my current subscription with. And I have to now like sophisticate and nuance my thought. And I have to, in, in what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to bolster your argument and your view and your position of things. I'm going to try to bolster it and strengthen it as much as I can in order to attack my own to see if there's any parts of mine that deconstruct or fall apart or need to be shaped or sharpened or nuanced or well, Evan over here literally building two separate dragons to like set them to war within his own mind. <laughs> well, because this is a place where we agree that none of us are experts on necessarily anything. We're all here to learn um, for Leslie as well. But Kevin, since uh, what's like your gut? Like, I, I guess I'd be curious. Um, I don't have that much time, but like, no, we can go. I mean, we can finish our, our conversation. Uh, and maybe this is a bigger, like a, there's bigger facets than I anticipated, but I would love to hear like, what are your, what's like, what's your diagnosis? Like just as people that are living in our society, I think are thoughtful, um, perceptive, have a lot of different friends. Like, I guess what, what, are, what is your diagnosis of what the anxieties or like this novel situation is that would be such fertile ground for um, a QAnon or just like, I, I guess most of these types of conspiracy theories that we interact with, especially in the, the culture that we're from. Such a um, good question. You know, to, to try to, to try to be as, as fair as possible. Oh, I, there's, there's there, actually, there is no, what I'm about to say isn't fair. It's, it's very subjective to my POV. I, I, honestly believe regardless of culture regardless of his regardless of where you are in history so 2020 1817 regardless of language and like literally anywhere across the world i just think the human the human being the human nature the human condition the human psyche is it there's something deeply embedded inside of it that's attached to narrative and story like we love narrative and story we love we love to like the fact that like these QAnon people are, are which some of it is like the fact that Epstein is like this clearly pedophilic person who did all those horrible things is clearly true. But the fact that they're constructing an entire cabal around him or around these things and then uh, casting Trump and, and QAnon as like the saviors who are gonna, the Calvary is gonna come in and save the day there's a very real possibility that it is a, a, a historical thing that it's about who's in office right now and the, and the current conditions. It could be both and, or it could just be that. The part that I want to vouch for is I just think there's something deep about the human condition that believes in the idea of evil and malevolence and chaos and, and, and something in, something in the dark that goes bump in the night. But then also you have to believe that, like there's something about the narrative of a hero or the narrative of someone who's going to come. So whether we place that on Trump and, Q and QAnon and the cabal, whether we play, whether it's depicted in Harry Potter and Voldemort, whether it's depicted in 
way, way back early depictions of, 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 a, of a knight fighting a dragon. Um, I just think the human condition is prone to story and narrative, and which depicts itself in mythology. And then you, you'll see it come out in very, and unfortunately in this case, because it's, it's such a disservice to, to narrative and mythology, you'll see it come out in very crude ways like Trump and QAnon and the cabal. It's like, it's such a cheap, crude telling of, a, of, a, of original story that there has to be a villain, there has to be a hero, and there has to be a confronting by the hero of the chaos or the villain. It's like, no, that, that there's multiple cultures that have de depicted and displayed that story across time. I just think there's something deep in us that we don't fully understand yet that constantly does that and wants to tell that story. But also, Vince, you're right. I think that a part of the reason why we do that is because we see actual playouts of it in actual culture, like where a tribe tells stories about snakes to protect its other tribesmen from getting eaten by snakes. But I also think that people might do it in moments in history because they do need novel experiences in order to evolve and grow as people. And so it's helping them to entertain, not only entertain themselves and, and distract themselves, but in some ways it's going to help them create circumstances by which they can try to interact with the world and what they believe in order to maybe unlock new proteins in their, in their brains. Very interesting. Vince, mama, what's up? <laughs> what about you Leslie I guess like if you had to like what's your just I'm just gut diagnosis of like what 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 anxieties do the folklore of Pizzagate and QAnon speak to yeah <laughs> I'll answer and then you have to answer too and that would be like a good little wrap up um but I will say real quick because it got brought up like 20 minutes ago and I wanted to note shout out to Nessie the Loch Ness monster because if there were one that I could spin <laughs> yes because oh, oh, oh. <laughs> i love the idea so much and i do feel like maybe if it's not the loch ness monster and whatever iterations have been spun like i'm sure there's like big sea creatures down there that we haven't mm. met um but a gut diagnosis would be and i i'm just gonna say this acknowledging the acknowledging that i'm probably wrong and i actually would like to do some like reading because i feel like they're probably oh well we can talk about that when we talk about hamilton <laughs> but um i i think that this is probably a misdiagnosis but it probably has some shades of truth and that i think there are people smarter than me who have probably done a lot of reading that i could like you know what i mean like and then after that have a clearer idea but the first things that come to mind which i was thinking about for a while in this conversation was Okay, a few things. First, I know that like the 2008 economic downturn affected a lot of the people that are in the category that are believing in QAnon, I think. Mm. <laughs> um, so economic, just like sort of upheaval and just a seeming continued breakdown of institutions ability to really care for us as in like the working class seems to just be more and more evident and then this is the piece that i think i don't think it's necessarily right but i feel like it's part of the conversation and it's a gut feeling of like i think with the increased visibility of different in some term minority populations in the u.s having more of a platform for their uh expression of the ways that they have been oppressed 
I think, you know, the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, increased visibility for gay and trans rights. Like, I feel like that all has really stressed out, again, sort of a large piece of the base that comprises QAnon supporters, like white, conservative, maybe mm. lower class economically people. And I wonder if part of it is like, hearing these, something that's very strange to me is people who believe in QAnon, but won't believe in systemic racism. Um, like, and people who treat systemic racism like it's a conspiracy theory. So, you know, like I, and I, that's so prevalent, right? Like literally they will talk yes. about systemic racism the way that people, that we would talk about QAnon. And I just wonder if it's like stressful to hear all these stories that you just first, like you can't believe because you have the privilege to not be able to really like relate. And so I wonder if that's output into like, oh, see, there's something that we're dealing with that we are fighting against. And like, you guys are wasting your time on these things that I don't believe in, but like, I'm spending my time well by like listening to Q and like, you know, posting about sex trafficking and like, it almost seems like it's like something for them, you know, almost like the white lives matter. I wonder, I feel like there's a convergence with a, with the white lives matter idea where it's like, well, what about a white, even though it's not just white people believing in QAnon, but it's like something for them. And I also think it maybe ties in with the idea that they have, I think mostly, I'd be really interested at the demographics of QAnon supporters, if that was possible, if it is majority white and like, I think that it probably is. Um, even though I definitely know lots of non-white people who are who are down that trail, but um, it's it's almost like you know, like we were talking about in America, how well we're able to think about these other issues because we've got like food, shelter, you know, basically like we have it better off than a lot of people in other countries. And I wonder if for a lot of the white people in here, white straight people who who none of the last like white white men who none of the last several big national conversations have involved i just wonder mm. if they have the mental space to that phrase that you said kevin um fill in it's enough structure like ooh, there's bad people in power ooh, we can't trust the media ooh, like you know and then they just have the space to populate it and it also gives them room to be the hero in the story again because they're the ones who actually know and believe and nobody else is smart enough to like see that this is all true instead of a conspiracy and they're not a sheep and um yeah because that's been a lot of the voice right like don't just be a sheep believing all these believing all these women in the me too movement believing all these black people saying that they experience it like don't be a sheep you know <laughs> and so they call what they do research by the way, like people that are part of the movement, the QAnon movement, they're doing research, like finding the breadcrumbs. So yes, like yes. they're not being sheep, they're researching. Yes. So anyway, that's just kind of one that I don't think is answering your question in an overarching sense, but I don't think I'm educated enough to. Mm. Um, I appreciate your humility, but um, I guess mine, the first would be an overlap with that one. Um, and I will say a little bit with my chest, I'm pretty confident that it is an issue of loss of, um, cultural hegemony right like they're not the dominant culture and the conversation of what the culture is moving forward largely doesn't include them which i i think is uh well that's the nicest thing to way of saying what i was trying to say yeah <laughs> well, yeah 
which I, I think um, is an anxiety. Again, I think there is a, there's some indictment of, of people that aren't white in that, right? And that uh, we are including them in the conversation in a way that's productive. Um, but I, I, I think there, there is absolutely a cultural piece and a fear and like an anxiety of like, uh, that's centered in whiteness. I think it's also centered in uh, masculinity. Uh, and this is kind of like a conversation that I think is interesting, but a, a, a tangent, the, the idea of like loss of something and the way that we vilified toxic masculinity, but have never provided a framework to replace it. We just say that it's shitty and like, how dare you have toxic masculinity without any examples of like, okay, well, how the fuck do I not be toxic and still be masculine? Um, so I think those anxieties feed yeah. it. Um, another one that you also kind of already mentioned, but I think this isn't specific to that demographic. There's a very clear deter deterioration of the social contract in the US with our government. And I would absolutely agree with that anxiety 100%. Um, but they are, that anxiety is channeled in a place, obviously, that I don't agree with. It's a place of mythology and conspiracy. Um, and again, I think it's also an indictment of, of people that do think and believe what I believe and that we haven't also provided a counter narrative um, to combat or, or to fill in that vacuum that's now there um, in the loss of a solid social contract. Well, and also that sex trafficking does exist, obviously. And yeah, absolutely. That, that yeah, I mean, this side or whatever, ha people who are anti-QAnon have not really also showed any care to be like, well, what is happening with sex trafficking? And like, right. and actually literally guilty. I'll just say that because I haven't really done much research into it. I know that it exists, but I've been so turned off by QAnon that I'm just like, and I'm just like, oh, that's, I will, but like, you know, that's not, and, and that's so guilty. And when I think about it, that's exactly what so many people who are turned off by Black Lives Matter have done. I will say it's like equivalent because once again, Black Lives Matter is not based on a conspiracy. Like it's, <laughs> but I do think it's, it's, it's comparable in the sense that, you know, some people just react to the worst of what they see coming out of the broad, uncentralized Black Lives Matter movement and are like, well, I do think racism is real, but I'm just turned off, but you know? Well, I think that's a good place uh, to pin it. I think that's a good starting point for like strategy. Like, yeah, maybe sex trafficking is a place where we could be meeting them at a, a place where we can, um, you know, have a bond and, and start from there. But yeah, yeah, good, good chat. That was a really good chat. Good topic, Ben. Well, I'm glad that we yeah. pushed through and like have the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Look at God. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we hit our stride in that one. Yeah. yeah that did feel good. But also yeah. I might be biased because this is the shit I watch YouTube videos about. So there's a but lot also, of room for each of our perspectives to actually be like a really nice points to bounce against. Yeah. I will say, Kevin, I, I did, I do enjoy, I did enjoy that conversation because I think it was the first time. I think that is something that I thought we could explore in our podcast. And like, it's not about like the issues agreeing, but more of like understanding of how, like, like learning more about like an issue and how you look at it and like what, where your mind goes. Um, and also being able to share that with me and also like understanding myself more. So I, I, I do really enjoy that. No, same, same. And also, like, I think, I think, I think this worked really well just because Vince was able to, like, 
present a topic that he clearly was passionate and passionate about and interested in. And so like, he was able to like, produce and guide a lot of the conversation in ways of like, I making agree. sure we stay stay stuck to the heart of the conversation, but also had a lot of poignant questions within the conversation of like, okay, so now that we've introduced a topic, what about this? And what if, and so it's like, man, a lot of things that I think someone, three people who had never wrote a topic or thought about it, period, wouldn't actually ask those questions. Vince asked some very interesting pointed questions that like, oh shit, he's like clearly put a lot of thought into this. And so he's asking critical questions that like, that are very conducive to forwarding the conversation in an interesting way. Top notch job. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. <laughs> well, it's been a, a, long, a great <laughs> adventure <laughs> today. Wait, 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 wait. So I can, Everyone say goodbye to the one person who's going to, our three people, my mom, your okay, mom. Okay, but yeah, also I have to take my screenshot real quick since I take one every, yeah. right. Yeah, how do we end the podcast? Um, yeah, how should, how should we end? Do podcasts usually have specific endings? I need to go back and listen now. <laughs> the way I feel like I never Joe, listen to these things. The way Joe Budden podcast ends, I think, is they just play songs at the end, and, and then someone might go like, all right, that like, might just be songs and then peace or some shit like that. It'd actually be fun. I'd like to think about a specific way to end, even if it's like, I, I don't know. I have a bunch of ideas sprouting, but I'll think about them and then. I think it'd be fun to like make it a specific thing that kind of makes our podcast unique where there's always a something at the end that yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. All right, but for now we can just say adios. Mahalo for listening. Yeah. Good night. Yellow yellow bye. Is that goodbye in Arabic?